this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, as we move farther along in St. Luke, we come to Jesus' genealogy, the first two temptations, the third temptation and the start of his ministry, the synagogue at Nazareth, and rejection. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Just because someone calls themselves an apostle doesn't mean that they are an apostle. That seems pretty evident from the warnings that we have from the apostle Paul, a genuine apostle, about false apostles. And just because such an apostle quotes the Bible does not mean that they're rightly applying that passage of Scripture. Welcome back to Issues Etc. It's time for This Week in Pop Christianity. We're going to be talking about Apostle Catherine Crick's teaching, Touch Not God's Anointed. Pastor Chris Rosebro joins us. He's pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, creator and host of the YouTube channel, Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Todd. Christian discernment is very obviously taught in the New Testament. I'm thinking of the Apostle John. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. How is Christian discernment taught in pop Christianity? In pop Christianity, Christian discernment is uh, is pretty much a four-letter word. It is something that is highly frowned upon, and those who are offering discernment are oftentimes spoken of in the most kind of demeaning and derogatory terms. Uh, they are accused of uh, engaging in head knowledge but not having heart knowledge. They are accused of being divisive and causing divisions within the body of Christ. They are oftentimes referred to in terms of they have extreme views and they're highly critical. And of course, they think that they're right and everybody's wrong. These are kind of the, the things that I've been accused of constantly over the years in, in providing uh, discernment work and comparing what people are saying to what God's Word actually says. So discernment is not looked upon very well at all in evangelicalism. Do they practice what they preach? In other words, when someone says, touch not God's anointed, as we'll heal Catherine Crick saying, does she touch other anointed people? Does she criticize <laughs> any other people who claim the anointing of God? The best way I could put it is is that she does attempt to practice what she preaches, but there's always an irony when somebody brings a false doctrine like the touch not God's anointed doctrine. Number one, it's not a biblical doctrine. Uh, it's akin to when somebody says something like, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. And I always point out when somebody throws that at me, they'll usually throw it at me in the comments section of my social media or one of the comments on the videos that I put up. Judge not lest you be judged. And so I always ask them, then why is it okay for you to judge me? Because you're judging me for judging. Do you think that judging somebody for judging falls under the category of judging? And they don't know what to say. And so the, the, the reality is, is that we are to judge, we are to discern. Christ makes this very clear, and the Scriptures make this very clear. In fact, in the New Testament, of the 27 books of the New Testament, there's only one 
only one that doesn't warn against false teachers and false prophets and false apostles, and that's the book of Philemon. Every other book of the New Testament actually warns about false teachers and to be on guard against them. And then a a notable, sizable number of uh, the prophets of the Old Testament also give very clear and explicit warnings about false prophets and uh, those who would bring in idolatry and things like this. So it is a major teaching of the scriptures. But again, somebody like Catherine Crick, when she says, touch not God's anointing, anointed, what she's really trying to do is shut down any kind of thinking. A, a, a good friend of mine, Stephen Kozar, who runs the Messed Up Church YouTube channel and the Messed Up Church uh, uh, web blog, he, he calls this, these types of doctrines, he calls them thought-stopping devices. They are designed to completely cut a person off from like any kind of biblical thinking or reasoning. And basically, it's a way of trapping somebody so that they are no longer able to apply think biblically and apply the tests of Scripture to people who are claiming to be receiving direct revelation from God or claiming these high lofty offices such as apostle and prophet today. I know what a biblical apostle is because we actually have the qualifications recorded in the book of Acts, someone who Mm -hmm. had gone in and out with Jesus during his ministry and someone who was a witness to his resurrection. And all of the apostles in the New Testament qualify. Apostle Paul on the first one is, I think, a man untimely born, he says. Uh, He didn't get that first one, but he certainly witnessed the resurrected Christ. What do they mean, these new apostles, when they take that title upon themselves? So they use the term loosely, and the way they defend it is they make a distinction between the apostles of the New Testament, like the Apostle Paul and Peter, and they'll say they are apostles with a capital A. So those are capital A apostles. And the apostles today are lowercase a apostles. And they try to describe them based upon their function within the church. They'll say that uh, lowercase apostles are ones that truly have a spiritual gift or a calling to be an apostle, again, lowercase a. They are people whom God gives strategies to, who gives authority to, so that they can like lead a movement or things like this. And the reality is, is that they're making things up along these lines. The, the, the scripture doesn't make that kind of distinction. But what they try to do is they, they go into the book of Ephesians and they talk about what's called the fivefold ministry, how God in the book of Ephesians says that he's given to the church apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists. And they basically argue, well, God has given them to us for all time. Now, forget the the fact that the younger generation within the New Apostolic Reformation does not remember a time in their life where there haven't been apostles. But men like you and I, who've been around the block a few times and a little bit older, we can remember when the New Apostolic Reformation first became a thing. I was in the latter reign movement back when they had made the claim that God had restored 
prophets to the earth. This was in the late 80s. And then in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s, C. Peter Wagner and others were making the claim that God was now restoring the office of apostle to the church, and with the expectation that churches who wanted to be a part of the the new thing that God was doing, the movement of what God was doing now, they really want to be in on the ground floor of the exciting things that were to be coming, they needed to align themselves under these new apostles whom God had just recently restored. But people, when they talk this way, they'll say, well, I'm not, we don't have the same authority as Peter and Paul. We don't write scripture, but we're a small a apostle, but we still operate in, in supernatural signs and wonders. And, and we, and we hear direct revelation from God. And so they're, they're, they're higher above the average person. And the expectation in the NAR is that mere pastors are supposed to submit themselves to the authority of people who are apostles. With about a minute here, who is Catherine Crick? Catherine Crick is an up-and-coming apostle, a false, she's really a false apostle, within the New Apostolic Reformation, and she claims her apostolic anointing was given to her by a, a prophet in Africa. And uh, we've talked about her before on the program, and she's been around, you know, she really kind of came on the scene about a year, year and a half ago, and is, has, uh, it has really caught on and is now uh, traveling the world uh, performing apostolic revival conferences uh, where she also casts out demons and does deliverance ministry and things like this. But uh, she's uh, she heads up her own church in Los Angeles, and, uh, and like I said, she is really a hot commodity within the NAR right now. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're talking about Apostle Catherine Crick's teaching, Touch Not God's Anointed. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. When we return, we'll hear Catherine Crick explaining 1 Samuel 24. And after our conversation with Chris, we'll be talking with Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris of the Ruth Institute about an Associated Press story about Catholic views on abortion. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. voice in the wilderness of American evangelicalism, you're listening to Issues Etc. Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the Support Donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. The Third Commandment teaches us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We do this when we hold God's Word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Jesus invites the weak and heavy laden to rest in Him, our true rest, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. This weekend, rest in Jesus as you hear His Word and receive His gifts. If you are in Southern Illinois, you're invited to join Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt to rest in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more at trinitymilstadt.org. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. 
You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Welcome back to Issues Etc. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're talking with Pastor Chris Rosebro about Apostle Catherine Crick's teaching, Touch Not God's Anointed. So, Chris, what is first from Catherine Crick? Well, in order to establish her biblical teaching, she has to actually use a biblical text. So she's going to go into the account of 1 Samuel, where David spares the life of King Saul and says to his men who want David to kill Saul because God had brought him into a cave, and they happened to be in the cave, and he was relieving himself. But uh, the point that he says, he says that he's not going to touch God's anointed. And so this is where she's going to put her stake down on a teaching that is all about nobody can speak critically or speak against somebody who is an anointed teacher of God. This is a very important, this is a very important teaching that I have for you today. And I want to talk about speaking against a servant of God. I want to just speak about that in general. And I'm going to be teaching you what, what you should do if you have spoken against a servant of God. So there, there is teaching from the Lord in the word of God about this topic. And this is what we're going to look at today in terms of should we talk about a, a servant of God, when should we, if we should, etc. So we see in 1 Samuel 24, verse 6, that jealousy got the best of Saul. So instead of seeing that David was such a blessing, um, which he was to him, the whole kingdom, he saw him as the fact that maybe that he people might like him more than Saul and he would go higher than Saul and he would be more anointed than Saul. So jealousy really took over. And so Saul then literally tried to kill David um, with everything in him. He even ended up sending armies to try to find David and kill him, hunting David down. This is where we have in Psalms, so much of the Psalms is is David um, pouring his heart out to God, like hiding from from Saul. And um, then we, we, we keep seeing God come through for David, and God would not let Saul touch David. And God preserved David, and God lifted David, protected him. He became king as he was anointed as a child. He eventually became king in God's perfect timing. But there's a point where when Saul is in this streak of trying to kill him and all this, um, David actually has an opportunity where he could kill Saul. He could defeat. I mean, this would even be like self-defense, you know. But um, what he actually says in this moment where he has the opportunity to, where he got close, um, he says in 1 Samuel 24, verse 6, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. 
Okay, Chris, just as a matter of basic biblical interpretation, does that story have anything to do with the claims of modern-day apostles and whether or not they can be criticized? No, not at all. And so when we talk about actually creating a Christian doctrine, Johann Gerhard and and others, uh, they had a, a saying that they used in Latin. It was, quad non est biblicum, non est theologicum. If it's not in the Bible, it's not scripture. It's not theology. But all of that being said, in order to rightly put together a Christian doctrine, I, I, I would look at somebody like Francis Pieper. He talks about an important practice, and that is, is that there has to be a biblical text that clearly is on topic that deals with the doctrine at hand. And the clearest of those texts that deals with an actual topic, he would label that the Cetes Doctrinae, the seat of the doctrine itself. And so when we look at 1 Samuel chapter 24, this is not a biblical text that deals with how we address people within the church who may or may not have a so-called anointing, who may or may not be teaching correctly or falsely. Instead, we have to look at clear texts that tell us how to deal with these things. You quoted the Apostle John uh, from 1 John chapter 4, that we are not to believe every spirit, but we are to test the spirits. That would be a biblical text that's on topic, for Samuel 24 isn't. Another good text that is on topic is uh, found in Titus chapter 1, talking about the responsibilities of men who hold the pastoral office. It says that a pastor cannot be greedy for gain, he must be hospitable, a lover of good, he must be self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined, and he must be able to hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. And here you see one of the roles of a pastor is to rebuke those who contradict the scriptures. And Paul goes on to say, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. And so he goes on to say, therefore they must be rebuked sharply. So you'll note, she's quoting a biblical text that has nothing whatsoever to do with how you address people within the church, and she is taking it out of context, and she's going to engage in a very subtle twisting of it in the next soundbite, where she's going to basically change the meaning. David was saying he's not going to physically harm Saul, and she's going to then change the meaning ever so slightly, where David now means that he's not going to speak anything against Saul, which is not in the text at all. It's a subtle technique, but so she's off topic. She's not dealing with a clear text to teach us how to deal with false teachers in the church. And she's going to ever so subtly change the meaning to fit her agenda. And her agenda is to cut off her followers from listening to critics like myself and others who are pointing out that Catherine Crick is a false apostle. So this is the revelation of this is not just speaking of physical harm to an anointed servant of God, but it's speaking in any way that one should never um, speak against, touch with harm in any way, in the spiritual realm, with words, a servant of God, a true anointed servant of God. And now this, this scripture says a lot because at this point, it, it was very evident 
that Saul was stripped of the anointing. It was clear. It was very evident that Saul was completely in the wrong, was literally trying to murder this new anointed king that God had risen up who didn't do anything. So David, at this point, he has such a right to speak bad against him, but he doesn't. He still gives him respect because God once upon a time anointed him. He still had that respect for God and for his servant. David had a maturity knowing that it wasn't his job to speak against harm Saul. He had the maturity to know that God will lift up David, lift up him, and would scatter his enemies himself. God would do it himself. God didn't need David to push down his enemy so that David could be lifted up. So you said what she did there was very subtle. She kind of just went off script, didn't she? Yes, she did. And you're going to note, the one thing she doesn't do in this teaching of hers is actually read out anything in context. So I always like to tell people the three rules for sound biblical exegesis are context, context, and context. She just quotes David as saying he should not put out his hand against God's anointed. Here's the context. It's 1 Samuel 24, 1 says, Saul returned from following the Philistines. He was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men of all of Israel, went to seek David and all of his men in in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day which Yahweh said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe, and afterward David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe, and he said to his men, Yahweh forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, for Yahweh's anointed, uh, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is Yahweh's anointed." And you can see from the context, he he felt bad because he had done physical harm to his cloak, but the, the temptation was to actually physically kill King Saul, and that's what's being talked about here. David wasn't tempted to speak against Saul while he was in the cave. Had he done that, Saul would have known of David's presence and been alerted to it, and the, and the incident would have ended differently. But she ever so subtly changes it to speak against, speak against, speak against, because what she's really trying to subtly make the claim, because she's apostle Catherine Crick, is that she has a special anointing from God. She's a servant of God, so you cannot speak against me. That's really what she's doing here and trying to convey to her followers. This is almost the type of technique you would see from a cult leader, uh, somebody like from Mormonism or you know, or even you know the people who drank the Kool-Aid down in Guyana. This is that kind of stuff. Chris Rosebro is our guest. Catherine Crick's teaching, Touch Not God's Anointed, is our topic. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're linked to Issues Etc., Eternal Life is the theme for the November issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine, and Christian Anthropology is the theme for the December edition. The Lutheran Witness interprets the world from a Lutheran perspective. You can receive an annual print and digital subscription for less than $20. For more information, visit cph.org witness 
or call Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040, the Lutheran Witness Magazine. After the break, we'll hear Catherine Crick talk about how God doesn't need our help. Several Issues Etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the President and Vice Presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. Have you thought about eternal life? When does it begin? What is eternal life? Well, your eternal life does not begin when your body, earthly body, fails and is laid into the grave. It begins, in fact, in the waters of holy baptism where you were tied to the death of Christ and in him you were raised. To learn more about this topic of eternal life, pick up your copy of the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Calvary Lutheran, Elgin, Illinois. Faith Lutheran, Dunedin, Florida. Good Shepherd Lutheran, Collinsville, Illinois. Emmanuel Lutheran, Pensacola, Florida. Messiah Lutheran, Danville, California. Prince of Peace Lutheran, St. Louis, Missouri. St. John Lutheran, Belfry, Montana, Trinity Lutheran, Fredericktown, Missouri, St. John Lutheran, Mayville, Wisconsin, and Zion Lutheran, Hiawatha, Iowa. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. Today we're talking with Pastor Chris Roseborough of Fighting for the Faith. 
about Apostle Catherine Crick's teaching, Touch Not God's Anointed. What more does Catherine Crick have to say after she's established that there's a passage in the Old Testament that she says applies to her and not only to David and Saul, and then she's made that subtle shift that you just described a moment ago from physically touching to in any other way addressing, even verbally addressing or criticizing. What's she going to do next? Now she's going to go to one of the Psalms, take it out of context, and basically make the case that when it comes to those who've gone astray, who are anointed of God, only God can deal with them. The Bible says in Psalms 147, 6, the, lo- the Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. It's the Lord that lifts the humble. It's not people who lift the humble. It is God who casts the wicked to the ground. It's God who humbles the proud, pushes down, not people. It's God himself that does it. And God uses people to do most things. He uses vessels to do most things. He uses us. But when it comes to pushing people down, humbling the proud, that's not our job. That's the one of the few things that God reserves for just himself, no vessels required. It is not our job to push people down. It is not our job to speak against people, even if we're really determined we're right, even if we are right. It's just not our job. God does not need our help. God does not need our help. God does not need our help to lift us. We do not need to help God lift us. We do not need, God does not need our help to push someone down. Okay, so Chris, I believe that she has fallen into that, the judge not vortex, because she's criticizing those who criticize her. Right. And she really shouldn't be doing that because God doesn't need her help. No, and that's kind of the point. (laughs) The irony here is thick because I I would note that I'm one of her critics and one of those people who uh, I think has gotten a little under her skin. That being the case, though, can can she deny that that I am rightly called to the pastoral office? And so she shouldn't be speaking this way because she's tearing me down. And... (laughs) And and those who are criticizing her, we have right callings and uh, from God, and you know we're we're men of God, and so who is she to be talking against us and to help God in this way? So again, you'll note that oftentimes that the person who is uh, claiming judge not, they're the ones doing the judging. She's uh, don't help God, but she seems to be helping God here. The irony is thick. But I would note, the clear passages also absolutely contradict her. For instance, Jude says, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The text we looked at in Titus says that God wills that false teachers be silenced by the sharp rebukes of Christian pastors. Uh, and then in uh, in Romans chapter 16, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles that are contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Mark 
and avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. We are told to contend. We are called to rebuke. God wills that people be silenced by the rebukes of pastors. You get the idea here. So the, her, her whole doctrinal case, her whole biblical case, falls flat because she's not rightly handling a biblical text here at all. In fact, she's twisting the scripture, which is even more proof that Apostle Catherine Crick is not an apostle of Jesus Christ. She is a false apostle. She is a twister of God's word and a deceiver, and her inability to rightly handle a biblical text is a clear biblical mark that she is a wolf and not a true sheep of Jesus. I want to take up something that she's been assuming all along, which is that she somehow has this anointing. You just Mm -hmm. started down that road. How would you determine (laughs) if someone has, first of all, we have to say this anointing that she's claiming is not a biblical anointing. No. And she's making a one for one with herself and David and Saul, which is also not biblical. You established that. But what is true anointing in scripture and how does one know if one has it? Okay, so anointing is a little more complicated than you would think. So, for instance, in the Old Testament, there were certain people who held particular offices who were anointed. Prophets were anointed, priests were anointed, kings were anointed. And by anointed, we mean they had literal oil poured over their heads. That was the anointing. And Jesus is the anointed one. He's the Messiah. That's what Messiah means. In fact, Christos in Greek means an anointed one. Now, as Christians, we are all anointed, but the anointing that we have, we receive in our baptisms, and that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we are baptized into Christ. Okay, so all Christians have an anointing in that wider sense. But the way she's using the anointing here is that she has a special apostolic anointing given to her specifically by God the Holy Spirit. I would note that the way she is operating, the way she twists things up, she's actually somebody that Jesus warned us about. Let me explain what I mean by this. In the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, Jesus says, For false Christ, pseudo-Christoi, and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. False Christ, a Christ, again, is an anointed one, and Jesus warns us that in the last day there would be a lot of people claiming to have anointings, and the Greek word for that would have been Christos or Christoi, and she, by claiming a special apostolic anointing, is actually fulfilling a prophecy of Jesus that is to be fulfilled in the days immediately before his return with the rise of false anointed ones, which is exactly what a false Christ is. And that's exactly what uh, Catherine Crick is by claiming this anointing for herself. So she is, by her very assertion, seems kind of ironic, by her very assertion to have been anointed of God demonstrates that she isn't correct (laughs) no one dare put themselves forward and claim such a thing for themselves 
All right. If an, an apostle is one who is sent by uh, by somebody else, and the apostles of Jesus Christ, that office is closed. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. There are no apostles today, and so by her mere assertion that she is an apostle and has an apostolic anointing, despite the fact she has none of the qualifications of an apostle, is again proof that she's not only not an apostle, but by claiming that she also has the special apostolic anointing proves that she's a false Christ, exactly as Christ had warned us about in Matthew 24. We're talking with Pastor Chris Rosebro, Fighting for the Faith. This week in Pop Christianity, we're focusing on Apostle Catherine Crick's teaching, Touch Not God's Anointed. Then on the other side, she says, in addition, you must stay silent. We'll hear from her next. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. This fallen creation is bested by tornado, hurricane, flood, pandemic, and more. LCMS Disaster Response helps our congregations, their pastors, and other church workers to reach out to their members and neighbors with mercy, which flows from Christ's altar. We offer quality volunteer training, help for congregational readiness and response, and disaster grant funding. To learn more, visit lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster. Christ-centered, cross-focused, you're listening to Issues Etc. This is LCMS missionary Pastor John Bombaro. The Coeur d'Alene area in North Idaho has a new confessional parish committed to the Lutheran liturgy, excellence in biblical teaching, and faithful pastoral care. Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church of Hayden, Idaho, meets at 9 a.m. for our Augsburg Academy and 10 a.m. for the Divine Service of Holy Communion, at which we encounter the real voice and real presence of Jesus Christ. For our location or to join the growing family of Lutherans dedicated to the sacraments, confessions, and historic liturgy, visit BlessedSacramentLutheranChurch.com. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Luther Church Missouri Synod chaplains deliver word and sacrament ministry to our military personnel and their families. Find out about the work of LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces at lcms.org slash armed forces. Serving those who serve, LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. 
We're discussing Catherine Crick's teaching, Touch Not God's Anointed, with Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith. Chris, what should we be listening for in our final cut from Catherine Crick? Now Catherine is going to turn the corner and basically address her audience and say, "What you know? if you are guilty of actually speaking against one of God's anointed, what should you do? Let's hear what she has to say. Now I want to speak on, right now, what to do if you have spoken against a servant of God. You need to do something. You cannot just, you cannot only apologize to God. That is not good enough. First of all, you need to have the fear of God. You need to have reverence. You need to fear for your own life. I mean, have the fear of God that your life would not be cursed because of what you did, because it is very serious to speak against a servant of God. Why? Because a servant of God, God chooses to move through vessels. So when you speak against a servant of God, you are speaking against the work of God. You are speaking against God himself. His work is himself. And many people are not seeing it that way, but this is how it really is. This is the truth of it. This is when you can grab this revelation, you will never speak against a servant of God, even if you really think you're right. You will never, you will stay quiet. All the evidence can come out how a servant of God is bad, is wrong, is sinful, is living in sin, is, is false. You will still stay silent. You'll pray for them. You'll stay silent. Okay, you know, that's a step I didn't anticipate her taking. That's really kind of putting the lid on this. It's not just you can't say anything, but if you have, you, first I was struck by her, that's not good enough <laughs> to apologize to God seek his forgiveness, but you just need to keep your mouth shut. You're going to be cursed, right? Yeah. He's going to kill you <laughs> for doing this. Yes, he will, apparently. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing, I mean, it just reeks of of the control tactics of a cult leader. You cannot, even if you are aware of anything, you cannot say anything. You must remain silent, and if you speak out... Oh man, God is going to curse you, potentially kill you, and uh, and if you've come to your senses, it's not enough that you ask God to forgive you. I, the I guess the implication is you've got to ask the false apostle to forgive you also for daring to speak against her. I mean, it's this again. This is the the complete clamp down tactics. This is coercion of the of the worst degree. Basically, making God your heavy. How dare you speak against me? God's going to kill you. God's going to curse you. And again, these are the hallmarks of a cult leader, not a true apostle of Jesus Christ or a true prophet of Christ by any sense of the imagination. This woman is very deceived, and she's basically threatening her audience and people who listen to her with God killing them if they dare to speak out against her. So I just wonder, she says all the, everything will come out and you just remain silent. Does the Bible tell us to deal with not only false teachers, but teachers who need rebuke for some other reason, just to say nothing about it, just let it happen? 
No, the scriptures are very clear. It have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, the scripture says. And when it comes to false teachers, they are to be rebuked. God makes that very clear in Titus chapter uh, 1. We are to test the spirits. We are to mark and avoid. We are to contend for the faith. Scripture is clear that pastors and Christians must speak out. I, I think of uh, the Apostle Paul himself. He was assaulted terribly uh, by the uh, the Judaizing party within Christianity, the circumcision party, which is a party you don't really want to go to. They were basically accusing him of all kinds of nefarious things and speaking poorly against him and twisting up his words, claiming that Paul says that you can sin so that grace may abound and things like this. And the Apostle Paul he addresses those things head on. He rebukes them in, in good order. And scripture is clear that when it came to whether or not the claim of the Pharisaical party within Christianity, the Judaizers, that uh, you, in order to be saved, you had to keep the Mosaic Covenant, Paul rebuked them sharply. And even Peter received a public rebuke from the Apostle Paul, and Paul records his rebuke in the book of Galatians. Even Peter, the first pope, he, he wasn't infallible, and Paul rebuked him to his face in front of them all, the scriptures say. So everything that this woman is saying and trying to lock down all this criticism and get her people to not listen to anybody who's criticizing them, not even Peter was uh, not allowed to be touched by the Apostle Paul. Paul touched him pretty hard and rebuked him publicly for uh, his hypocrisy in relation to his actions in relation to the gospel. So what do they do with those verses that we ought to positively practice, like test the spirits, or when the Bereans are considered noble because they don't immediately accept everything that the apostles have to say, but they test it against Scripture? And we're also told that if something someone says does not comport with Scripture, we ought to reject it. So the problem is, is that Catherine Crick's teaching, and she didn't invent this. I mean, Benny Hinn used it, Ken Copeland used it, and others— when somebody buys into this doctrine, then what ends up happening, this false doctrine that touch not God's anointed, ends up being the lens by which they interpret those verses. And what ends up happening is, is they'll come across them and they'll have to find some logical way to kind of brush them aside. Well, that was only the apostles that can do that. That was for a different time. That's not for now. They come up with every kind of excuse to basically say, this verse that is looking me dead in the face that is contradicting what I just heard from Catherine Crick, this verse can't mean what it says. And so what they end up doing is reordering their theology around the false doctrine, and then the teeth of the biblical text that are in context and are rightly understood, all those teeth are knocked out, and those texts have no bearing on them because they don't know what to do with them. They just push them to the side. It doesn't fit into the theology that Catherine Crick has made, so it is just ignored. And anybody who brings it up, they are unceremoniously kicked out for daring to contradict God's anointed. What do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt about any teacher, Catherine Crick or anyone else? You had mentioned the famous Benny Hinn. What do you know about them when they pull out this card and say, touch not God's anointed, you can't speak against me? The only people who play this card are false apostles, false prophets, and false teachers. These are wolves. This is a card that cannot be played by anybody who subscribes to what the Bible actually says. As a result of it, when a 
preacher, teacher, apostle, or prophet, so-called, uses this card, that is a sure and certain 100% sign you are dealing with a ravenous wolf and you must leave. This is not just a red flag. This is a huge red flag. This is a non-negotiable. You play this card, you've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt you are false and you are a dangerous enemy of Christianity, not somebody who teaches what biblical Christianity is. Pastor Chris Rosebro is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. He's creator and host of the YouTube channel, Fighting for the Faith. You'll find a link to Fighting for the Faith at issuesetc.org. Click Talk on Demand Archives. Chris, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. When we return, Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse of the Ruth Institute joins us to talk about an Associated Press story regarding Catholic views on abortion. The bishops in the U.S. are concerned. This is Molly Hemingway, encouraging you to listen to my favorite podcast, Issues, etc. Every day you get in-depth interviews with host Todd Wilkin asking expert guests substantive, thought-provoking questions on all of the important news and issues of our day. The expert guests are in culture, law, ethics, philosophy, theology, and apologetics. Expert guests, expansive topics, always extolling Christ, Issues, etc. Join Lutherans for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 19th through Saturday, January 21st, 2023. Go to lutheransforlife.org to learn more about LFL's Conference for Adults, LFL at the March, and the Y for Life Youth Conference in Washington, D.C. The registration deadline is December 15th. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org. More topics, more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, president of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts, illuminated by the revealed truths of Scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the Master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well-lived. Truth, freedom, vocation. Concordia University, Chicago. cuchicago.edu